0: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jason Wright Show. Best Friday ever. I'm sure most of you have no idea what that is playing, but uh, let me enlighten you. That is the SFA, the Stephen F. Austin State University fight song. SFA is my undergrad alma mater, and SFA is about to be no more. After almost 100 years the Stephen F. Austin State University Lumberjacks are going to become a distant thing of the past because they are being absorbed by the University of Texas system. And as an alum, it's it's been interesting watching on particularly LinkedIn because that's where I fo- follow most of the SFA posts and looking at the different um, alumni reactions, which by and large are Pretty negative, uh, most and, and I and I share that sentiment. And you know, I think it was about a six and a half million dollar deal. They uh, they infused the the UT system infused to take over SFA. And what I find this to be is yet another indication of the failing uh, higher education system in America. These universities have become so bloated and so. Um, Spending money and attention on the wrong things. Now, I actually sit on an advisory board, or I did. I will no longer, uh, even if I have that option as of UT SFA, UT Nacogdoches, whatever they plan to call my former university. Um, I I will not be sitting on any advisory boards. I, in fact, I'm just I'm done with American higher education with uh, universities. Uh, they're they're pretty terrible. They're they're. Basically, and I it took me a long time to get to this point. I'll be honest with you; I, I was skeptical about the American university system for some time, and but I did want to, but I still believed in it. But now I I believe, like so many others out there, that it is nothing but a an overpriced, bloated credentialing machine. That's it. It's just where you have to go get this credential that you that that somehow gives the marketplace some idea of your, your academic or your acumen, which but now they are devaluing that to such a degree that I don't really know what the point of the university is anymore. Did you know that Yale is doing away with the LSAT? So the LSAT, for those of you who don't know, is the uh, standardized entrance exam for law school. I took the LSAT whenever I thought I wanted to go to law school. And, I mean, I paid $1,000 to study for the LSAT through the Kaplan program, took the exam. It's nerve-wracking. It's a lot of logical reasoning and reading comprehension and things you should expect on a standardized test. That is going away. It, in In spite of the fact that there is a, there's a problem with allowing un- qualified students to get into universities that they never should have been in to begin with. Here's what happens. In a lot of cases where you allow a student to go to a top-tier university that they simply are not equipped to attend, they usually, at a tune of somewhere around 50%, and this is broken out on different demographics of who this actually applies to, but let's just assume that you you got in for some reason other than merit-based acceptance you have over a 50% chance of not completing the degree. And here's what's worse. Let's say that you should have gone to formerly Stephen F. Austin State University, but because of some whatever, some quota or something like that, you end up getting into the University of Texas at Austin, a premier uh, American university. And you fail to, to do the coursework. You fell out of UT Rarely does that student go back. Rarely does that student transfer to UT Tyler or Stephen F. Austin State University and finish their degree. So you've, you're doing no favors by allowing unqualified students into universities where they shouldn't be in the first place. This is not—this whole idea right now that we're seeing in our country of just telling people they're special, putting them in positions of— play in places where people who have earned the right— Look, Jason Wright, based on merit, would not be able to get into Yale Law School. I just know I wouldn't. I'm not—that's not my—but I could probably get into— you know, a second tier or a respectable SMU where I got my MBA, I could probably get into SMU law school. But I probably would not be able to get into Harvard Law, Yale Law, and I shouldn't. And if I did, I would like to think I could do the coursework, but chances are I wouldn't do nearly as well as if I were surrounded by peers of of, of other students that were more on at my, at my caliber of learning. I would feel more comfortable. I mean, you go to you go to Harvard law then you are studying amongst the likes of former or future Supreme Court clerks and and, and top top and we're talking top one percent law firm partners that that's who that's who your competition is uh and so I don't think I would do very well in that environment I can just Admit that, and that's not having a you know. You you all hear me preach against a fixed mindset uh, all the time. That's not having a fixed mindset. That's having a realistic mindset. Being saying that I couldn't go to law school at all. That there's no way because that's not my acumen. No, that's a fixed mindset. But no, I could get, I could do well enough to get into a law school, just probably not a top tier law school. And so, you know, I think that right now, here is here here's what we hear everybody. Like me, like today, I could come on here and just completely rant against the American university system. But not only that, against the entire system that is just trying so hard to do away with excellence, with merit, with high performance, with peak performance, theres we're, we're trying to just lower the standard. Instead of raising people up and encouraging them to strive for excellence, we have so many thought leaders, trying to bring the entire thing down. It's literally watching the movie Idiocracy come out in real life. This is what's happening. And when you start to remove these standards at these universities, then this is what happens. And also, whenever you do like Stephen F. Austin State University, who, again, as an alumna, and by the way, here's one of the reasons why it was so special to me. I'm a first-generation college graduate. The very first college degree, ever issued in my family was from Stephen F. Austin State University. Now it's going to be, I don't know, UT Nacogdoches, something to that, to that effect. And one of the things I noticed at UT, I mean, excuse me, at SFA, like many of many universities that are kind of the tier two, I mean, SFA is not a tier one university. It's just not. I mean, it's my university. I love it. But Let's face it, it was for it it was a it, it still will be like UT Tyler, a great university for first generation would be college graduates, you know that that it's a great great school and and man, we're so lucky to have institutions like that in the United States. But um it was it's not a top top tier university. Um what I see happening So what are the things that you have with a tier 2 university like SFA is you're not going to have a lot of really private sector heavyweights come in and lecture. It's just not going to happen. Now You might have the occasional speaker series where I think Kendra Scott's been there, Tony Hawk's been there to do a little deal, but you're not going to have one of these just uber successful private sector leaders come in and teach for a semester at SFA. Now, where I got my MBA at SMU, which costs, you know, significantly more money you're going to have that, right? I mean, one of my marketing professors, Bill Dillon, sold his company for somewhere around $300 million, and, I'm getting, and now he's teaching me. I'm going to listen to everything Bill Dillon has to say. as And, and there's so many other professors like that at SMU. But if you're a Tier 2 university like SFA, unless you have that kind of outlier alum, which I certainly was not, unless you have that outlier alum that, goes and has some sort of wild success like if somehow some SFA student or former SFA student had been one of the founders of of, uh, of Instagram or Facebook or something like that even if you had been like uh, like uh, one of the first in at Facebook then maybe you they, they might want to do that but mostly they're probably just going to come write a check because they're not going to go to Nacogdoches and lecture you so, so therefore what you end up having is a bunch of professors, that have spent a lifetime in the classroom. Either that or they got out into the private sector, got punched in the nose, and ran back to the classroom. So that's what you have. And those types of people, for a multitude of reasons, don't really like people from the private sector. I've seen it as someone who has tried to bring people together from the private sector to help at these universities, these tier two universities that are made up of nothing but lifelong academics and private sector failures, they don't like people from the private sector. They're threatened by them because a lot of it has to do with the fact that that they know that these people have done something that they themselves could not do. They just get to sit around... With tenure and and good benefits and walking the halls of of a, a safe little cocoon of a university and and theorize on what people should do when they get out there into the real world and whether they are whether their students succeed or fail they're not really held accountable and I mean they have a lifelong job as far as tenure is concerned so uh, so I think that's one of the biggest detriments to the tier two university and and you know. What always shocked me was at SFA in particular. I watched all these new buildings going up. I mean, the the, the campus doesn't even look the same as whenever I attended SFA. I mean, it's so much nicer. There's this rec center with a big climbing wall and and top notch equipment. There's like a little lazy river with this big pool. I mean, it's amazing. There are apartments and 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 housing facilities that are just so amazing. It's beautiful. So all the money was being spent on these facilities to attract students, but wouldn't you think that if you're going to spend that kind of money that you would attract students that were going to pay to be there for four years? Well, they didn't do that. What they were doing is that what I could see was they wanted students that came with federal dollars following them and choosing, because these are kids that basically, they weren't like a Jason Wright that was going to have to pay his way through school, and had to go to the school that I could afford, which was basically none. So I had to figure out how we're going to make this. It's, they weren't them. It was it was the, the SFA for years has started attracting the students that don't have to worry. They, they've got the money, and it's, it's the federal government saying here you get to go to school, so therefore your your options are a little more open because you're you've got these federal dollars attached to you, and you get to go to these different regional universities. So we want to make ours the prettiest, so you'll choose us. Instead of taking the bold move of saying, and I suggested it so many times on this advisory board I served on, I was like, guys, we need to go and recruit those uber-successful SFA alum and get them back involved. Get them, give them a reason to hire SFA students. Let's raise the academic bar. And one of the things I always said was you need to go after the entrepreneurs, and here's why. Here was my theory. I consider myself an entrepreneur, and I graduated from SFA, but and I've done okay, but I have done not nearly as well as so many other SFA grads out there that are entrepreneurs. And here's why I think the SFA, back in the day, produced a lot of successful entrepreneurs, is because it's all we had to go on. Let me tell you something. McKenzie, Bain, EMY, Goldman Sachs, they are not recruiting from SFA. I assure you, they are not, okay? And as an undergrad, when you figure this out, you realize there's one person that's going to write my ticket, and it's me, and it's going to come from hard work. I still remember uh, in one of my jobs, uh, the job before I left corporate America was with Home Depot working for uh, the CEO, and it was an executive uh, training group or rotational group, and everyone in there had Amazing credentials. And so we're sitting around with uh, Dennis Donovan, I guess, at the time, who's the number two guy at Home Depot at that point. And we're going around talking about our education. And most of my uh, peers had MBAs from great schools. I mean, I think we had a Sloan grad in there, Kellogg. I I think we may, may have had an HBS, Harvard Business School. And then it comes to me, Stephen F. Austin State University. Undergrad. Not one person. In the room had ever heard of Stephen F. Austin State University, folks, okay? Uh, here's another funny story about that. I was uh, recruited to play football whenever I was in high school, and I went to the University of Arkansas for, for, a, um, for a visit. This is so funny, and um, Danny Ford was the coach, showing my age. Danny Ford was the coach at Arkansas at the time, and we're sitting there, and and already SFA had offered me a scholarship. And so and he knew that. He, you know, the coaches, they know through the recruiters who's looking at you and what schools you're you're considering. He said, now he goes, now I understand. Stephen F. Foster has already offered you a scholarship. No, for those of you who don't know who Stephen F. Foster, not Stephen F. Austin, not the father, father of Texas. This is how known SFA is. Stephen F. Foster, I think, is he either wrote you? I think he wrote "You Are My Sunshine." I think that's who Stephen F. Foster was. So, Danny Ford thought that I might be going to to, to a university named after the guy that wrote "You Are My Sunshine" instead of the University of Arkansas. Okay, just kind of a funny story there, and uh, but so therefore you had to make a name for yourself at SFA, but it was awesome because a lot of students did. And I never could seem to, and maybe it was my communication, maybe I wasn't in the right place talking to the right people, I never could seem to get through to people at SFA to say, hey, stop trying to just chase the dollars that come with the students. Stop trying to put these, If you you guys have seen these stupid billboards that say lumberjacks make great whatever. Uh, You know, one of my fraternity brothers, Ken Murphy, Ken, If you ever listen to the show, what's up, dude? Kim Murphy was once the CEO of the mattress firm, okay? Large company. Most of you have seen mattress firms, right? Well, that company was founded and run by SFA graduates for years, um, and my fraternity brother, Kim Murphy, was the CEO of that company. Now, I would think if I were marketing SFA, And I were going to say, Lumberjacks, because they're the SFA Lumberjacks, for those of you who don't know, SFA Lumberjacks make great CEOs with a big old picture of Ken Murphy, an actual freaking CEO of a major company. Not just some nebulous SFA makes, or Lumberjacks make good accountants, CEO, Lumberjacks make good accountants. Um, uh, there's a guy that, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. He's over in Dallas, and he runs Deloitte and Touche's practice for all of all of Dallas. One of the largest, uh, Jason Dowling. He's actually one of my fraternity brothers, too. Uh, he was older than me, so I don't know Jason personally. Um, but he runs uh, Deloitte's practice in Dallas. So why not... <laughs> Lumberjacks make great consultants and with his picture on there, and it's an actual. Then other students see that, and they go, but SFA never would do that. They, they, I, I, they never did that, and so instead, here's what we have. We're just, you're, you're now about to see a, a university with almost 100 years of history just kind of fade away as though it never existed and I think that's a that's a real shame. But I wanted to give you guys too. So so that's that's kind of my rant on what's happening here in East Texas with SFA. But but it also ties into this larger problem of what's happening in um, in higher education in America. So you know I I just put one daughter through college. Uh, Ryland, my oldest, just graduated from the University of Alabama, and. Then I've got a younger daughter who's finishing up at the University of Colorado. And I've watched what some of the um, classes that they're taking, what they entail, and, and they're crap. They're stupid. They're they're indoctrinating them and stuff. And um, But, you know, hey, they have to get through it. But I'm telling you, if I were, if the, the girls were born tomorrow and I was planning for their education, I can't actually say that an American university or any other university would be in the cards. We have got to get over this obsession with credentialing in America. And now, here's this positive spin. I've I've given kind of a negative, angry, get-off-my-lawn rant this morning, but here, my friends, is the silver lining. There has never been a better time for self-education in the United States of America than right now. And in fact, there has never been a time where it has been more critical and vital for you to go get yourself educated right now. Look, there is more free education. And, and I would suggest get out of this mindset that I don't, there's no reason to go learn something that I'm not going to get paid for. There's no reason to go learn something that I'm not going to get credentialed for. That is a stupid, small minded way to think. There has never been, and, and this is what's bizarre. Right now. And I struggle with this. And I want to crack the code on this. And I want people that, like you that listen to this show, I want you to, to, to understand that here's what's happening right now. We know more about health and wellness and longevity than at any other time in history. We know what makes us sick, we know what makes us healthy. We know all the things to do. In fact, we now know that you don't have to do a whole heck of a lot to be relatively healthy, yet we're fatter, have more hypertension, higher blood pressure more cancer than at any other time. More importantly, we're more miserable. We have more toys, more gadgets, more things to distract us to just kind of chill out. We we have gotten closer to utopia than we've ever been, and yet we're angry, we're depressed, we're miserable. What's going on? And it's the same thing with the universities and, and knowledge. I'm sorry. I don't know about you, but I think we have more... How how do I say this? I just find myself on a daily basis surrounded with more ignorant, not dumb, not stupid, ignorant, meaning they just don't know than ever, even though there's more knowledge available. There is less of a reason to be ignorant on more subjects today than at any time in history. So here's who's going to win right now. If you want to win the battle that is living in American society these days— Get educated yourself. Go invest in yourself. Invest in your own knowledge. Invest in your own health. You can do it. You don't have to pay thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and get some damn credential from some podunk university that's led and taught and administered by a bunch of morons that couldn't even manage their own checkbook if they had to. You don't have to do that. And that's the thing. Whenever it gets to the point where— and and. As we continue, see, right now, the American university system is becoming like public school. This is what happens when you take away competition and merit. When you take away these things, then you end up with something that just is of no real value. And here is a great example. So there was this professor that I came across at uh, UC San Diego. And I just want you to listen to her theory and how she handles her grading in her
1: classroom. What's up y'all, Dr. Peardy here, and I'm gonna to talk to you a bit about how to decolonize a classroom and how I decolonize my teaching. So first things first, we do not grade over here, okay? Anyone who takes my class automatically gets an A. They're told in the first week that they're gonna get an A. The only thing that's required is attendance. And I have weeks of um, excused absences built in so that if people are sick or they have family obligations, it won't affect their grade. So since I'm not grading them, I'm just giving them A's, like how do I know that they're doing anything and how do I know that um, they're learning anything? Uh, And so I also don't give homework. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Uh, And I run a discussion-style classroom, so um, my students and I have equal part when it comes to bringing information to the table. Um, We all sit together and share what we're talking about, uh, and they get to use their critical thinking skills to apply the things they've learned in all their other classes.
0: Wow. UC San Diego is not cheap. I can't imagine the parents paying or their children to attend that person's class. And you think to yourself, well, it's just college. I mean, it's that big of a deal? Yeah, because here's what you're doing. You're telling all of these young people, and she said it, her students are equal to her in the classroom. They have equal footing. Their opinion matters as much as her, the professor. So when these students go into the workplace, they're going to think, wait a minute, whoa, no boss, no person that may have worked your way into your job for 20 years, sacrificed, sacrificed home life, sacrificed happiness, sacrificed all these things to, to, to get to where your job. No, my opinion matters just as much as yours does because I took a human studies course at UC San Diego, and my professor told me that, you know, I am just as important as you, and my opinion matters just as much as yours. Never mind, I have no wisdom, no experience in this matter whatsoever. That's how we're raising this entitled bunch of morons who think that whenever something goes against what they like, believe, or whatever, that the entire company in all of society should rearrange itself to cater to them. This is doing no one any favors. So... With them doing away with the LSATs at Yale, what is that going to do for the the kids who get in, somehow get enough professors like this, get through law school, and then are hired to represent someone in a major life-changing case? Are they going to be completely equipped? better yet i heard that they're talking about doing away with the mcats this is the standardized test for medical school um wow is it equitable to put someone's life in danger by having a physician that is not well equipped but they feel good about themselves they feel like they were they were they were included they were included and so now they now they end up botching an operation and the person dies. Now that's an extreme case. I get it. But if you it, look look here's the deal. If you don't think extreme cases can happen, I remember there's friends that I used to tell back when some of the the cultural changes were coming along and I would just be like, "Well, here's what's going to happen next." And they'd be like, "You're quit it, you know, stop it. That's not true. That's not going to happen." I was like, "Okay, I guess we'll see. And I wouldn't get all exercised about it. I don't get up in arms about that stuff. I mean, I get I'm frustrated about things that I'm frustrated about, and then, you know, just I know that time's going to tell. And sure enough, so much of the the alarms that are, that go off during these times, whenever we, if you're, if you see something happening that just doesn't make sense to you, if the only rationale for decisions being made or it makes you feel better about a situation, but you can't really say it makes logical sense, then the consequences are probably going to be pretty bad. And that's what I see happening right now in the American higher education system. And it's getting worse and worse. Um, I was considering getting another master's uh, for a counseling degree. And now I just... I don't know that I want to do that. I mean there there are other ways I can help people and I can get paid for my time without having to be a licensed counselor. I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but if you're just going to if you're going to charge me thousands of thousands of dollars for this credential, and then you're going to take that very credential and you're going to bastardize it by letting a bunch of people get the exact same credential that don't deserve it, that didn't work as hard as I did, that didn't put in the time, that didn't put in the effort, then why in the hell should I do it? Why not go find an alternative means of doing the thing I want to do, which is help people, help people with their mind, optimize their thinking, optimize their, their neurochemistry, and maybe, hey, not in, in a different format there's just there's got to be a different way and I, so i think right now um this idea like she was saying that she does this to to decolonize her classroom um that's a wow you talk about the bigotry of low expectations to say that that colonization in a classroom exists because of merit um, I don't know. I just think that's a very bad message. Uh, another thing I want to talk about that I think is kind of interesting is uh, has nothing to do with higher education. Completely shifting gears here is Liver King. It, Liver King is um, he's it's been found out. He's a roid head. And I know not all of you listening to the program know who Liver King is. Just do an Instagram search, and you'll see really quick who. Brian Johnston is, he's a multimillionaire entrepreneur, sells ancestral supplements. That's his company. And he made his, I mean, the dude executed on social media as well or better than anyone I've ever seen. And his whole deal was by living by these nine ancestral tenants. That's why he was so healthy. And and, and in his physique, you look at it and anyone, that, you know, Joe Rogan said, now the dude's got an ass full of steroids. Everybody that knew anything thought this dude is Royden, but he always denied it. He always lied. He made fun of people who who, who said he was using steroids. And it turns out that, in fact, he is using steroids. And it's a shame because I know he's got two sons that follow him around uh, in, in a lot of his videos and stuff. And so I don't know how you sit down and tell your kids, hey, sorry, this is what I did. Um, integrity is everything. And... It's just uh, that that was another kind of offbeat story that you guys check that out and you know if you can't do what you want to do by being who you really are then you probably shouldn't be doing that thing in the first place. And I think that just it just I think that applies in everything. If you find yourself in any situation where your success is coming as a result of you doing anything other than being who you authentically are. And the story being exactly the same when you're talking to yourself in the mirror as it is when you're talking to the public and your millions of followers on Instagram, as was the case of, of um, Brian Johnson and the Liver King. Then, if you can't do that, then run. Stop. It's not worth it. You know the 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 Bible says you're uh, a good name is worth is is more valuable than rubies, right? It's it's all you have at the end of the day to be able to say, this is who I am. I'm a, I'm a person of integrity. I'm a good person and um, and live that out. We're all going to fall short. We all are going to mess up. We're all going to screw up. But there is no reason. He can't say, and this is what will happen at some point if he comes out. Now, look, the dude's got so much money. He could fade away and ne- us never see him again, and he's going to be just fine, I assure you. But um, if, you, if at the end of the day all you have is your name then that's worth everything that's worth everything cuz you sleep well at night you know who you are and and I would I would tell you, you know like just like I've learned it's going back to SFA and why I got my MBA at SMU let's this is being being authentic being really transparent and I've mentioned it on this podcast before I did not need my MBA from SMU I got it because I felt inferior I felt like because I went to a school that um, Danny Ford would confuse with the name of the guy who wrote You Are My Sunshine, that I needed a school that at least, if not Danny Ford, a few more people had actually heard of. I needed that affirmation. I thought that credential would bring me, uh, just bring me something that I couldn't have on my own. And that was such a lie. That was such a lie. I didn't need that MBA from SMU. All I needed to do was bust my ass, work hard, keep the main thing the main thing, focus on things that really matter, learn from people smarter than me, ask questions, ask a lot of questions of people that had done the things I wanted to do, go practice, execute, master, and repeat. And could have saved a lot of money, a lot of stress, a lot of trips back and forth to Dallas. And... And been honest with myself and said, you know what, dude, be who you are. You are an entrepreneur. You've done that. You don't need some stupid credential that society values. Know what you value. I was having this great conversation with Abby on our way back to the airport uh, over uh, after Thanksgiving, and we got to talking about some, some some social issues going on, and she said, you know, it's just a shame that society doesn't value this or that or whatever. And I said, Abby, I said, I want to remind you of something. Society most likely will never value the same things that you value. Look around you. This world does not value the things that are your values. In fact, society at large will usually demean and push against those things because most of them require this thing that society despises and hates, and that is sacrifice, delayed gratification. It might hurt a little while. It doesn't always give you what you want. So don't ever, ever focus on what society values versus what you value. You create your values. These are your non-negotiables. These are the things that you hold important. These are the things you will instill in your children. These are the things that you and your spouse agree. These are our values. These are our household values. These are our live or die by values. And to hell with what society values because society values crap like stupid credentials and degrees from, a, from universities that are compiled with a bunch of morons who while unfortunately tend to shape some of society but can't actually function in it at a competitive level. I mean, when you break all this stuff down, you just realize that um, like what Steve Jobs said was really, was true when you walk around, you when you start to realize that most of the rules and the things that we do, most of the rules we follow were created by a bunch of people no smarter than you are, then all of a sudden you start to say, When well, why in the hell am I doing the things that they're doing? Um, so that is today's Friday episode, the best Friday ever. And I know it was a rant, and I'm sorry, but I'm disappointed in my alma mater. I am disappointed in the leadership of Stephen F. Austin State University. I'm very proud of the leadership of the University of of Texas. You know, look, uh, Kevin Eltife, the um, the the chairman of the Board of Regents at UT, is a friend of mine. He's been on this program. Kevin is an incredibly smart guy. I know I have so many dear friends that are leaders and graduates of the UT system. I have no problem with what UT has done, and I think that UT is 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 a my gosh, we should all be so proud of the University of Texas here in in the Lone Star State. But those of you who have been at the controls um, at SFA, um, wow, what a shame. And that's not universal; not all of you. I know some of you have tried very hard. I, I, I you know, I, I know that uh, one of the two-time chairman of the Board of Regents here, Bob Garrett, has worked tirelessly for that university for years and has tried I know for a fact has tried to keep this from happening uh, by pouring his resources and his leadership and his time and his energy into Stephen F. Austin State University uh, to keep it independent, to keep its history alive, but the rest of the folks there you know they've made some decisions that Let me just say this. The leadership of SFA has made some decisions that society today loves. Society loves a lot of the stuff that's been going on at SFA for the last decade. They love it. And look where it got them. them! All right, folks. Have a good weekend.